Welcome to the podcast of Vertical Life Church. We hope and pray these messages encourage and challenge you to find your glorious purpose in Christ Jesus. For more information, visit us on the web at www.vlchurch.tv. Welcome to Vertical Life Church. Those of you that are new, I'm Pastor Joey, and we want to say welcome. We believe everybody matters to God, and I hope you feel that today, that you matter. And, and like my wife said, that we've been praying for you, and, uh, and we went out into the city. Those that we got to uh, connect with this week in the city, we were praying for you before we even went out. We were praying that God would lead us to who exactly he wanted us to connect with, and it was such an honor and privilege and it is something so very exciting. And so I just want to encourage you. This is how the church is the church. Right? Jesus saved our souls. He gave us eternal life, not just to give us a comfortable earthly existence. He gave us eternal life so that the light he put in us can shine before all men. They can see our good works and glorify the Father. That's why we have the light. And so this is the church being the church, being witnesses for Christ. And, and I'm just encouraged that we're in a church that is interested in being a witness for Christ. And I believe this is how our church is going to grow, by every believer learning who they are, knowing who they are, and living like they are a child of God. And that's where this series, this teaching series we're in, we're in week two, and we're kind of piggy, piggybacking off of last week as we're looking at the identity crisis that we struggle with in our lives. We all struggle with identity. We have all these different uh, influences coming at us, all these different um, standards and impressions being put on us, and oftentimes we don't know which one to let define us, especially as children of God who've been saved in the world to come out of the world to go back in and change the world. And so we're looking at what does the Bible say about what it means to be a child of God. And last week we saw the first thing was that we're, we're not just children of God, but we are accepted. And we, we often live through lives feeling rejected, rejected by people, rejected by society, rejected in so many different ways. But God's word tells another story. He says, you are not rejected, beloved. You are accepted. You're accepted. Have you ever heard the sound that an orchestra makes when it starts to warm up? I don't know. My, my parents were music teachers growing up. My mom was an orchestra teacher for the public school. So I heard many times the sound an orchestra makes when it warms up. And it actually sounds like this. an interesting sound, isn't it? But what's happening to every piece, every instrument in the group? They are tuning to the standard. Often a piano or uh, a piano is played, they play a note, and the lead violin tunes to the piano, and then all the other instruments begin to tune to the lead violin. So they all begin to conform to the standard. 
The standard sets the mold for everyone else in the orchestra. And it's a good thing because have you, have you ever heard a group or a, an orchestra or a band or even a choir sing and something's a little out of tune? It's quite obvious, isn't it? You begin to hear that dissonant sound. It's, it's uncomfortable and you're like, what is that? I need to get that right because that is not sounding good to my ears. It, it breaks away, breaks the unity and the harmony that can be there. But when everyone is in tune with each other, there is harmony. There, there's this, this unity in the group, and they're able to function and, and move together. Well, the same thing, beloved, happens in our culture. Because someone or some groups get to set the standard in many different ways. And what's expected of everyone else is to conform and attune themselves to that standard. Like fashion. Have you ever noticed that every season fashion changes, right? And what was popular to wear in summer is not so popular to wear in fall. And even from year to year, you have some guru, some think tank somewhere saying, this is what people should wear in 2021. And it doesn't look like what we should have worn in 2020, unless you're me and it's the same thing every year. So I don't, I don't go clothes shopping very often. But someone sets the standard. And if you're not conforming to that standard, then you're out of what? Out of style. You're not in style. You're not with everyone else. This also kind of goes along with our language, our speech. Have you ever noticed across the years speech changes? And slang changes, like we used, we used to say, cool, man, or sweet. Or, or maybe uh, back in the day, some of you threw out a groovy every once in a while. I don't know if, if you're that old. You threw a groovy out there. But now, now we got stuff like um, on fleek. What does that even mean? You know, there, there are different words, and there's some words that, that are out there I don't even say because I don't even really know what they mean, and they make me uncomfortable. You know, so I, don't, I choose not to use those words just in case it, it, it's wrong for me to do so. But, but we have that in our speech. We, social media, it wasn't that long ago that Facebook was all the rage. Everybody was on Facebook. And Facebook is this big conglomerate, this big media giant. But now the kids tell me Facebook's for old people. Now you've got to have Snapchat or Instagram. It's like, oh, what's your Insta? How can I find you on your Insta or, or Snap me? What's your Snap? You know, Facebook's for old people now. It's not the same as it used to be. Facebook used to be all the rage, and now it's different. The same is true with politics. What's culturally acceptable or socially okay to believe, to stand for, and what isn't? There seems to be these groups, these people that set the tone for everyone else, and everyone else has to conform to what they are demanding we conform to. There's pressure to conform. We talked about last week, there's, there's so much confusion in the world today, in so many different realms, even in our culture. And one of those standards culture is trying to get us to conform to are the labels it's created for us to wear. We all wear labels. We all have labels that we wear in our lives in, in different respects. And we need to be careful what labels we take on because those labels will determine the lens you view your life through. They will determine the lens that you view your experiences through, how you view your world. I mean, think about this. And, and I'm going to press the line a little bit, but it's on purpose. So hear my heart. This isn't to ruffle any feathers, but I want to make this real. Are you a white Christian or are you a Christian that is white? 
Are you a black Christian or a Christian that is black? Are you a Republican Christian or a Christian that's Republican? Are you a Democrat Christian or a Christian that's a Democrat? See, the order of your label determines the importance and its influence and the weight of how you view your world. What labels are you allowing to be the primary influence, the primary way you see the world? You see, if you're an old person who is a Christian or a young person who is a Christian, then you'll let your age determine a lot about what you prioritize, what you're interested in, and what you're willing to pursue. Oh, I'm too old for that, or I'm too young for that. Some of us have even let those closest to us, family members or friends, put labels on us that we've carried for years. It's been harmful and destructive. We've worn these labels for years. I, I received a message this past week. Someone was touched in our last service by the message. Just broke my heart, the label that they had been carrying that God set them free from last week. Whew. God is good, but labels are serious. The labels we take on are serious. If we let anything else other than God's word set the standard for what we believe in our lives, what we think about ourselves, what we think about our world, it's going to determine a lot about our experience, how we think, how we live, how we behave, what we find important. That's why we spend a lot of time talking about Romans 12, 2 that says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By changing the way you think. Why? Because then you'll know the truth. And the truth, beloved, is what sets you free. If we let anything else but the word of God be the filter for our lives, we're going to believe a lot of lies about the world and about ourselves. Last week, we saw that we were children of God. We were chosen and accepted, adopted into the family of God. And this week, again, we're going along the same thing, of being, the theme of being accepted. We're going to talk, not only are we accepted, but we are acceptable. You're not just accepted by God, but you're acceptable. You're acceptable. Somebody say, I'm acceptable. Again, I'm acceptable. And again, I'm acceptable. You are acceptable. We're going to get into this, but before we do, I have a couple stories to tell you. Can I tell you a couple stories today? about a couple of crises that I've had in my life, and both of them involved porta-potties. This is going to be real. This is going to be a real deal. So when I was in high school, we went to a car show, and I think it was 4th of July, because after the car show, we were going to go to the, the city fireworks, and this was in Springfield, Missouri, where I grew up. And so our whole youth group went out there, and we spent several hours at the car show. And by the time we got to the fireworks, we all had to pee really bad. And so we got there, and there's probably 50,000 people at this fireworks display. They had a row of like 20 porta potties, and there was a line. I don't know how long, but it was a long line. So we got in line, and we were going to have to wait. And I think I probably waited probably 30 to 45 minutes. It was serious. I mean, we talked about bladder of steel, right? I mean, we held, we held that unlike anything else. But I got up, I was the next person in line, and I'm standing there, I'm like, okay, just a little longer, just a little longer, and, and getting ready for my turn. Then all of a sudden, police officers come out from around the porta potties 
and an ambulance pulls behind the very one I'm about to use. And the officer says, guys, would you mind turning around and making a wall here? We don't want anyone to see what's going on in that porta potty I'm thinking, oh, God, what's happening in that porta potty <laughs> what, is, what is going on here? Lo and behold, a lady nine months pregnant is in birth in this porta potty and, and so we're, we're here, but you know curiosity killed the cat. So they open the door, and I look back, and I see a wet blanket. I'm like, nope, and I uh, turned back around. And then they, they left. They got everything under control, and I was next. And I'm thinking, I'm not going in there. I'm not going in there. I'll go in the woods before I go in there. And I don't remember what happened after that. I think I blacked out, but all I could remember is, is, what are they going to name their kid, John? I mean, I don't like, I just don't know, right? I've always wondered about that. So needless to say, I've been squeamish around porta potties since then. Well, last year, we took our, it's always on youth trips. What's wrong with youth trips? But we, last year, we took our youth department to a hayride, to a, to a pumpkin patch farm and a hayride, and, and my wife and I both went. We were tagging along. And I love my wife. She's, she's the love of my life. I have to say this because I'm really about to throw her under the bus. <laughs> so I love her to death. She's so sweet. She's so kind. She treats me so well. Um, but she doesn't like to put her wallet or her keys or things that are important in places that I would consider responsible. And, and she had a $20 bill in her back pocket, and that was like, we got cash out, we're like, we'll just take 20, and that'll be enough for snacks and stuff, she has this $20 bill in her back pocket, and we get there, she needed to use the restroom, so she goes into the port body, and comes back out, and it's just like, not very happy, and I'm like, what happened, and she's like, I dropped the 20 in the porta potty <laughs> and I'm having a crisis right now, I'm thinking, you did what? That was our, like, 20 bucks. That was, I mean, that was all, all the money that we brought, I think. I think that's all we had. And, and I'm thinking, we got to go get it. We got to go get that $20 bill. And so I, and she's like, oh, I looked, and it was in there. I just, like, I couldn't, I was like, you didn't fish it out? I mean, what's the deal? You just <laughs> snag it quickly. I mean, come on. It's 20 bucks. And she's like, no, I didn't. I was like, oh. I, got, I guess I got to do it. And so I go to the porta potty. I'm thinking, I don't want to go in this porta potty. I didn't even see what, what it was like. When you go into a fresh porta potty, like one that's brand new, it, it's kind of nice, right? It's clean. It smells decent. And it has all the supplies in there that you need. After about 200 people go in and out of there, it's a different story. It's a nightmare. So I'm wondering, okay, what am I going to see? Am I going to see a, a nice dream or a nightmare? I don't know what I'm going to look into. And, and so I open it, and it wasn't too bad but I look down into the blue abyss and I see the 20 winking at me just underneath the surface and I'm thinking okay I think I can do this but then I notice the turd mountain sitting next to it <laughs> and I'm like do I or don't I it was a crisis it was a crisis eventually I said nah it's, it's not worth it. <laughs> because it wasn't just snatching it out of the toilet. What do you do with it after you get it? I mean, you got to find some place to dry it off, hoping nobody takes it for their good and for my good. 
But then, like, you got to find something to carry it home, and then I don't know how much disinfectant to use on it, you know, when you get it. So I was just like, no, it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. You know, beloved, when God created this world, it was like a fresh porta potty. It was clean. It was nice. It had everything you needed. But after a few billion people went in and out of it, it's become a mess. It's become a big mess. Jesus was all good in heaven. Next to the throne of his Father, glorious in perfection, he needed nothing. He was eternal, all-powerful, beautiful, and awesome. But you know what he realized? He didn't just lose a 20. He lost a few billion in the toilet of the world. He lost a few billion in the cesspool that earth had became because of sin. And you know, instead of saying nope, instead of rethinking the decision, instead of saying it's not worth getting that muck on me, Philippians chapter 2, 6 and 7 says, though he was God in the form of God, he did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. What Jesus said when he saw us, he said, I can't leave them in there. They're worth too much. I can't leave them in there. I have to get them out. I need to go get them. And he left the place where he was, the place of perfection, purity, holiness, and glory, and he came down into our mess. And our mess was messy. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, prophet Isaiah says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Scarlet was a, a color that they would use to dye material in the ancient time. It also referred to the, the beetle that they would make the dye from. It was a permanent dye. It may fade over time, but the color would stay there uh, for life. No matter how much soap or how much you would use to scrub the material, the dye would remain, and that's why that they would use it. Have you ever spilled something on your carpet? that was like maybe juice or wine or, or, or something that discolored your carpet, that's a bad day. Now, especially when you get new carpet. When you get brand new carpet and then somebody spills something, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, it drives you nuts. But what do you do? You get your cleaner out and you scrub and you scrub and you scrub. You do everything you can to get the stain out. No matter how many products you use, you'll go through whatever it takes to get that stain out. If you have something spilled on your carpet. But what happens if you can't get the stain out? Then no matter how much you scrub, no matter how much product you put on it, what happens? Well, it's really one of two things. You either just deal with it, you accept it. I can't change it. I'll just move on. Or you do like the rest of us. You go to the store and buy a rug and put the rug over it. And act like it's not even there. The stain's still there, but no one can see it. You see, our sin was like scarlet. There's nothing we could do to change it. There's nothing we could do to scrub and scrub and scrub and get all the muck off. There's not enough righteousness. The Bible says our righteousness compared to God's glory is like filthy rags. There's nothing we can do 
to clean ourselves up enough. But the Lord tells Israel here in Isaiah, I'm about to do something. I'm about to bleach this scarlet out to remove the dye and return you to the pure state, the white wool state you were always meant to be. I'm about to get your stain out. And what did he do? He came down and got into our mess. He didn't just reach into the toilet. He got in with us, yet he remained unsoiled by all the corruption around him. And he found a way to get us out of the mess. He, he found a way. He found a tool he could use to pull us out of the proverbial toilet that we were in in this broken and sinful world. And it wasn't with a spoon. It wasn't with a pair of tongs. It was with a cross. He pulled us out with a cross. Philippians 2.8 says, Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So he came not just to live among us. He came for a purpose, to die, so that when he rose again and he ascended to heaven, we too could rise with him out of this mess. That we could rise to new life. And how did we rise with him? We chose to cling to his cross. We died with him so we could rise with him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus became the sacrifice for our sin to pay uh, the debt that we owed God because of the sins we brought into the world so we could be pulled out of our mess, not just so we could stop swimming in filth, but so we could be purified, so our sins that were like scarlet could become white as snow. The moment you placed your faith and trust in Christ, you grabbed onto the cross. He pulled you out of the mess so you could be saved. Romans 5.1, this is an important verse as we think about our salvation. It says, therefore, since we've been justified, somebody say justified. Since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It says you became justified when you chose to place your faith and trust in Christ. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I, I, I'm guilty of my sins. I've, I've made mistakes in my life. I have these struggles. I can't fix them on my own, so I'm placing my faith in you. Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. I'm going to turn away from this stuff that I've been swimming in, and I'm going to go all in with you. You are my Lord and Savior. By placing your faith in Christ, it says all the charges against you were dropped in the court of heaven. Your rap sheet was wiped clean. Before God, nothing exists against you. Your sentence was changed from guilty to not guilty because your debt has been paid. In 1 Corinthians 6.20, it says, For you were bought with a price, the price of the life of the Son of God. He gave his life to pay your debt. Colossians 1.14, it says, In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. His death purchased our freedom, your freedom. Your new life is free to you, but it cost Jesus everything. It cost him to leave his home and to give up his life so that you could be saved. He gave everything to win you back, to forgive all your sin, and not just to forgive you, not just to pull you out of the mess, but in 1 Corinthians 6, 17, it says, he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. When you placed your faith and trust in Christ, he came to live inside of you. 
the Spirit of God left heaven to come dwell within you. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And when Jesus was here in the flesh, his physical body was the body of Christ. Now that he's gone to glory, his spirit's left heaven and now indwells all who believe. We become the body of Christ. You are one with Jesus. You are one with the Lord, and he is one with you. So he's pulled you out of the mess and placed you into his pocket. Wherever you are, there he is too. Which means the ground you are standing on, beloved. I need you to hear this. The ground you are standing on is holy ground. Because wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, it's holy. You've not simply been forgiven. You've entered into a new relationship. You've joined a new club, a new team, and now you have a new label. You're under new management because you belong to the King of Kings. And he's put his name on you. We've taken the name of the Lord. But God is not content with just forgiving our sin. He accepts us as we are, but he doesn't leave us as we are. He has something in mind for us. Just as he's pulling you out of the muck, Ephesians 5, 26 and 27 says that he might sanctify her. That's talking about Jesus in the church. He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So if you think about the, the $20 bill lost in the toilet, what do you do with it when you get it out? Well, you have to clean it up. You can't just leave it as it is because you pulled it out of the toilet. You've got to clean it up. So Jesus doesn't waste his sacrifice. He gave it all for you. Right now, you're not just floating through life as a child of God, willy-nilly, undirected, un God being unconcerned with your life. No, God is deeply concerned with every aspect of your life. He's deeply concerned with your life. He is speaking truth over you so that you can remain in the truth and be set free by the truth. He is washing you with the water of his word to break off all the junk that you've been drowning in for so long, all the lies of the enemy, the lies of culture, everything that's come against God's good plan and purpose for your life. He's washing you with the water of the word so you can shed all the labels of the world and the people who are supposed to love you that they tried to place on you. And why would he do that? Why would God spend time in your life washing you clean. Verse 27 says, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. God's desire is not just to save your soul, but that you'd be holy as he is holy, that he can share his glory with you. He wants to change your mind from thinking like you did in the cesspool to thinking like someone who's living in the pocket of the king of kings. That place of importance and significance. So he's cleaning you off right where you are to right fit you for his purposes. As your, change, as your thinking changes, your beliefs about yourself will change. The way you view the world, you change. Your purpose will start to change. And the filth that you saw clinging on to your life will begin to wash off because the power of sin is broken. It's broken. And greater is he in us than he that is in the world. So this is cleaning. This is the washing. 
It's called being sanctified. It's the process of becoming holy as he is holy. And we are all in process. We need to know that and believe that. We're all in process. We just might be in a different spot of the process. If you're a new believer, you're going to be in a different place than someone who's been following Jesus for 30 years. You should be. But we're all in process. None of us have arrived. None of us have made it to the glorious standard of Christ yet. But because we're united with Jesus, now his spirit lives in us. In Ephesians 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, Paul calls the church, all believers, he calls them saints. He calls them saints. If you're a follower of Jesus today, you are a saint. Somebody say, I'm a saint. Say it with a little attitude. I'm a saint. I'm a saint. You gotta say it with some tood. Like you believe it. The saint, that word in the Greek language, it's hagioi. It means holiness or holy. Vine's lexicon says it fundamentally signifies being separated. Among the ancient Greeks, the word meant dedicated to the gods. Hence, in Scripture, in the Bible, it means the moral and spiritual significance of being separated from sin and therefore consecrated to God as sacred. You are a saint if you're in Christ. So using the porta potty analogy, think about it. You were the dollar bill stuck in the muck. You were drawn out, set apart when you cling to the cross for your salvation. Now you've been set apart. You've become cleansed. You're becoming clean. You are being washed by the word. And as you're being washed, you're being set apart for God's purpose, which means you are consecrated. You've been declared sacred. You are dedicated to the Lord. Your life has been dedicated to the Lord. So you are not simply as children, my friends. You're dedicated to the Lord. You have been rescued out of the world to serve the purposes of God. And your slate has been completely wiped clean before him in heaven. So right now on earth, we might be completely clean in heaven, but right now on earth, we're still hanging on the rack, drying off. He's still in the process of sanitizing and cleaning and returning us to the state we were always meant to be. You know, when I looked at that 20 in the toilet, it's not an insignificant amount of money. I mean, 20 bucks is 20 bucks. If anybody found a 20 on the side of the road, you'd be excited. You'd be like, I found 20 bucks, right? We would be. doesn't matter how much money you have. 20 bucks is 20 bucks. But when I looked at that 20 in the toilet, I said, nah, it's not worth it the value of that 20 changed because of where it was and what it was involved in. When God looked at you swimming in the filth of your sins, he didn't say nah. He said yeah. Yeah. He's worth it. Yes. She's worth it. You were worth going through all the hassle to draw you out. You were worth the effort to clean you up. He saw a value in you you've not been able to see in yourself. God sees a value in you you can't even see in yourself. He sees a worth in you, a treasure in you you never knew was actually there. 
You see, when the Father looks at you, he sees something that you can't even see in yourself. Well, how do you know, Pastor Joey? How do you know God sees something in me that I can't see? I'll show you how. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. And this is the passage I want you to meditate on this week as you think about renewing your mind and who you are. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It says this. God showed his love for us that while we were still perfect, God showed his love for us while we had it all together. God showed his love for us while we were completely righteous and met all the standards and, and followed all the rules. Is that what it says? What's it say? God showed his love for us while we were still swimming in the muck. Still sinners. Still sinners. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Beloved, you're accepted because you're acceptable just as you are. You're acceptable. You don't have to be anything else other than who you are to be loved by the great King of kings and Lord of lords. There's no changing. There's no religious duty. There's no next level, next measure. There's nothing else you have to do to be loved by God. He loved you completely and perfectly as much as he possibly could before you ever said yes to him. He loved you while you were still a sinner. And one of the moments that has changed my life forever is the moment I encountered God's unconditional love. Religion robs you of this experience. Religion makes you feel like you have to become something in order to earn God's love. It's a crime against people. And it's something that churches and institutions have been doing mostly unknowingly. I don't think people intentionally do this. They were taught a certain way and passed that on. But I really believe there's a spirit of religion that has crept in to especially the American church and has robbed people of understanding what unconditional love really is. That means there's no condition. It's unconditional. One of the moments that changed my life forever is when I had given God and everyone else around me a reason to reject me. I'd given them every reason. And you know what I experienced? I experienced the exact opposite. I didn't encounter rejection. I encountered forgiveness. I didn't run people off. I drew people in closer to me. And the love I never thought I could know, I experienced firsthand. And that broke off a lot of the fear I had to admit that I was broken. A lot of the fear. It helped me learn to trust and be more vulnerable. You see, I was just like the person putting the carpet down. I had all the stains. I just covered it up and made it look like it wasn't there. I was unwilling to admit I had a stain because I was actually very religious. And I couldn't because then what would people think? I didn't want anyone to know who I really was because if I did, they wouldn't believe I was acceptable. But you know what Jesus showed me? He showed me the truth of who I was in that moment. I learned the very thing I was afraid I wasn't, I actually learned I was. I was acceptable. Because when I felt like God would run from me, he actually chased me harder. 
he came harder. He pursued. He showed up in a room and touched me, and I encountered his presence in a way that I'll never forget. See, I could just be me and be okay. Some people, you need to understand, it's okay to be broken. It's okay to be broken. I mean, who are you fooling? We all got junk. We all have stuff. There's no perfect person here. Don't act like it. Matter of fact, when you don't, people can actually love you through your mess. When you hold people at a distance, you pretend like you're perfect, then no one's going to know what's going on in your life. I lived a life of that. Trying to change myself, but finding out I didn't have the strength to do it. And what God's unconditional love did for me, it helped me find so much freedom I couldn't discover on my own. Freedom I wish I had always known. And it helped me realize, Joey, you're not perfect, but you're acceptable. I still want you. I still want a relationship with you. I still have plans and purposes for your life. They're for good and not disaster. They give you a future and a hope. It's not plans to harm you, but to prosper you and to use you to build my kingdom. You all are a testimony of God's favor in that moment because a large majority of you weren't even here when that happened. And God's used that event in my life and our lives to do more than what we could ask or think. Maybe you're here today and the one you're the one hiding your stains under the carpet. Or maybe you just got tired of trying to scrub the stains off and you've given in and you've accepted and you've allowed those labels to just take root and determine who you are. No matter your struggle, no matter your stains, I want you to know you're acceptable. God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, he was willing to die for us. He's been pursuing your heart, and He doesn't expect you to change yourself. He's the one that washes you with the water of the Word. He's the one that makes you clean. He's the one that takes your sins that are like scarlet and makes you white as snow. He's the one. He's the one. And when you surrender to Him, when you give Him your life and your heart, you're going to begin to find freedom as He begins to wash you clean. And you're going to discover who you were always meant to be. You're not the addict. You're not the rageaholic or the alcoholic. You're not the narcissist. You're not the eternally broke. You're not the unhealthy. You're not the dumb. You're not the foolish. You're not the immature. You're not any of the labels that we allow to be placed on us by other people. Or even some of the labels that we put on ourselves. You're not the weak. You're not the scared. You're not the anxious. You're not the incapable. Because my God says that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. What you're going to find is who you're always meant to be. In Jesus, beloved, you are holy. You are sacred because you're his. If you're a believer in Jesus today, I want you to say this with me. Say, I'm acceptable because I'm holy. I'm sacred, and I'm His. I'm acceptable. I'm holy. I'm sacred, 
and I'm His. I'm acceptable. I'm holy. I'm sacred. I'm His. Thank you, Jesus, for your word and for your time, for your presence. God, thank you for your encouragement. And God, I just pray in Jesus' name, by the blood of Jesus, God, you begin breaking off all of these labels that have been put on us that conflict with your word. Every label that has brought discouragement, that's brought condemnation, guilt, and shame, God, you'd break them off in Jesus' name. Every lie of the enemy that's been sp spoken over us, even from a, a young child, that we're weird, that we're awkward, that we're not what we should be, God, I break that off in Jesus' name. God, I just declare freedom. God, you came to set the captive free. God, open prison doors now in Jesus' name. God, I pray for the one here that maybe doesn't have a relationship with you. They've never accepted you as their Lord and Savior and had a time where they said, God, I'm going all in with Jesus. God, that right now all fear would be broken. And when we stand and we sing, God, that you would compel them to come and receive Jesus as their Savior. God, if there's anyone here that, has, that needs healing in their body, God, we just thank you for being a healer. Jehovah Rapha, you are the healer in Jesus' name. And God, I thank you for renewing our minds. God, I thank you for helping us see us in a new light, to see us the way you created us. And God, we thank you for your love. We praise you, God. We testify of your goodness. We praise your name. In Jesus' name. at Vertical Life Church. We want to say thank you for listening. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to www.blchurch.tv forward slash give.